Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When we read scripture, it clearly commands believers to be in unity with one another. But what about those passages where it commands us to not associate with certain people? How do we discern if a potential point of division is a core doctrine or something that we could agree to disagree? Today in the fourth installment of our One Table series, Francis and Lisa Chan, along with Vince and Joe Vitale, discuss this and much more. We hope that you've been enjoying these conversations and that they're sparking a desire in you to both find ways to pursue unity with fellow believers and to simply pray for the body of Christ. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, just want to remind you what's going on here or tell you what's going on here. Uh, it's me and my wife, Lisa. Um, we've been married for 30 years almost. Eh, 29. We've been together 30. Yep. Almost. And then uh, Vincent Joe of uh, Vitali, And we're a part of the same church. And we've just been having these discussions kind of offline about some of the things that the church is facing right now, because we're in a weird spot where we started with a certain theology as a church, and now we're starting to question some of the things that we started with. Nothing major, but they were significant. And so we started having discussions, and and then as we processed through these truths, we thought, gosh, I think it'd be helpful for others to just listen in on some of the things that we're wrestling through, because it may be that these are questions that a lot of people have, but they don't have that free space to actually discuss these things. Because usually in a church, you start with a certain theology and you don't deviate from that. You spend the rest of your life defending everything you started with. And we're going, gosh, our theology, I don't think was perfect. I still don't think it is. So we just kept going. And and so that's kind of where we're at. And plus, I think the common heart for unity amidst some of these differences is what drew us together. And so we've just been praying together. I think all of us are just saying, I don't want to waste whatever's left of my life. Mm. I want to say everything. I want to be right before the Lord. And and I believe that I can learn those things best in community yeah. rather than just by myself. And so while we all have our time alone with the Lord, or at least I hope you guys do, um, <laughs> you, you know, it's it's like then coming together and saying, okay, what have you been learning? What what has he been teaching you? And And so it's been really fruitful for me. I think for all of us, and we're just continuing on that journey together. Um, but today I want to talk about, you know, because when we talk about unity, people assume unity at any cost. Like all God cares about is that we all become one. But biblically, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are lines in Scripture. And there are times when God says, like I think about 1 Corinthians <clears throat> 5, where he says, But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Mm. 
And he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the judge whom you are inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So very clearly he gives us direction that ah, feels uncomfortable in this day and age, but it, there is a time when you don't associate. I think of uh, Second John. Um, in Second John, in uh, verse, verse 9, I believe, he says, um, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Mm. So again, very strong terms. I'll, I'll hit one more. Um, Titus, Titus chapter 3, verse 10, says... As for the person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Mm -hmm. So now he's warning against those who are divisive in the church. And it's crazy. He's warned him once, twice, and then have nothing to do with him. So biblically, we have commands. You don't just pursue unity at any cost, mm. you know. But at the same time, I think some people have taken those passages and just make them apply to everything or whatever is important to them. So I would just love to hear your thoughts on these things mm. because sometimes we divide too soon and sometimes we are scared to divide at all. And how have you guys work through that in your mind well one thought just hearing those passages i think it really helpfully broadens the understanding of what does unity and agreement need to look like because i'm, I'm a philosopher by training and as soon as we start talking about unity and agreement i i immediately instinctively go to the theoretical like do we believe the same things and i think mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about that and believing the core of the faith agreement about beliefs is such an important part of unity. Yeah. But then it's so interesting the passages that you you turn to talking in the first instance about someone who has evil ways and then about abiding in Christ, being wary of the wicked works of those who are causing division and who are sinful, you know, in my mind it's broadening out and making even more robust as we pursue unity. It's not good enough for us to just okay, we all can agree to these five propositions. You, you intellectually assent to that. I intellectually assent mm -hmm. to that. So now we're in unity mm -hmm. in, in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Actually, we need to have some of the same affections, desires for the Lord. We need to be involved in the same practices and, mm -hmm. and the same commitments. It mm -hmm. actually raises the bar for unity rather than lowering it. It's not just about what we believe, as important as that is, mm -hmm. but it's also about the life that we're mm -hmm. committed to, the life of holiness that we're committed mm -hmm. to together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just thinking of the, the language on it, of orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Like right. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, the, the core doctrines that you hold to and the way that, that you're living those things out. And mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about that because was, mm -hmm. um, earlier in, in regards to false teachers, actually, mm -hmm. because... Um, 
obviously there are a lot of scriptures again about, about yeah. false teachers and you needing to be cautious in yeah. that regard too. And 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 you know we're talking in previous episodes about the importance of listening to people, of not mm. always assuming you're right, of having humility. Mm. Um, but again, with false teaching, there are a lot of warnings about don't yes. <laughs> continue to listen, don't yeah. engage in, in some of this. Actually, the appropriateness of not. Um, just welcoming someone into your pulpit, into your church, um, yes. to, to spread false um, messages, and mm. um, and but I was I was so I was looking at some of the passages around that and thinking like what um, what does it mean to be a false teacher, mm. um, and and how do we like appropriately apply mm. that label? Because yes. I, I think because mm. there can be a, a, a rightness, you know, a right concern for truth mm. where we say like no, like the gospel is beautiful, like what, what mm. Jesus has done is so amazing and um I, I I'm I'm utterly committed to the proclamation of that and to living that out. And so a righteous concern for saying I I I don't want to allow space for anyone who's going to add to it or subtract from it in yes. any way to and um, you know I think of when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees about you know hanging millstones around people's necks, you just make it and then uh, you know burdening them with the law and then and then not helping them like actually um mm. get free and 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 I think about false teaching in that regard that you know you make it harder for people to mm. to receive salvation and so anything in that regard I, I want to say a strong no to yeah. and, you know because we it, Jesus made it very clear that he's the way and that's where our salvation is so we don't we don't want to just let anything in the room that's going to take away from that mm. um and and then the other thing I was seeing about false teachers is again this kind of language of um of their life that their character a mm. lack of godliness it being mm. about power or um financial gain or sexual immorality so there was both the kind of again the concern about doctrine and the concern about mm. what your life is um but I also have that thought that <laughs> um, that I think sometimes we, the flip of it is we can be too concerned to mm. throw that label out there, a false teacher. Yes. And I was thinking like, why, why do I do that? And, and, and maybe there's something in me that thinks, well, if I, if, I, if I call what they're saying false, then I don't have to listen to them anymore. And then I don't have to do the hard work of, <laughs> mm. of unity. And so not going so far down the line um, that that I then don't even have to engage in this process. Mm. And we were talking about in Romans where it talks about um, don't get caught up in disputable matters. But it's interesting that phrase is there because then it does show, well, there is such a thing as mm. a disputable matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So then the question is, what are your categories? Like, yes. what, what is disputable? What is indisputable? And which are the hills we're supposed to die on and which the ones we're not? And I was thinking about that phrase and it's like, well, there was a hill Christ died on. <laughs> yeah. And so what what is that hill for us? And mm. um, and and what are the issues of salvation? Mm. What pertains specifically to salvation? Um, I had this conversation we're having in mind last night when I accidentally put a bag of uh, Doritos on the stove, not realizing the burner had been left on. <laughs> and then, then within like 10 seconds, our kitchen was half on fire. Yes. And all this smoke is like Great. pouring out. The children are eating in there. I yelled a bit, but the kitchen's on fire. No. And it's just like, grab the children. So we're like what? rushing. Wait, what? What yeah. caught on fire? What else? The Dorito bag. Just but a bag. The, the plastic was burning. Oh, it was okay. like sort of up against the wall. Okay. There was a fear. There was a dangerous few moments okay. before <laughs> the entire pot of water from the sink went. Okay. All over everything. A pot of water that had like soup in, so that was a lot of cleaning. But yeah. anyway, so, <laughs> so but we're grabbing the kids out the house, and the point of all this is, say, I was thinking in that context of 
when the building's on fire, like yes. what do you, what is going to save you? And, and I, and so I was thinking in regards to mm. like, what are the fundamentals? Like what are the things that are indisputable that you can't compromise on? Mm. It's like, well, when there's a fire, um, what are the things you need to do to get out the building? Because mm. you can't be united around anything that's going to leave you in uh, the fire. Yeah. You know, you've got to get out the door. Yeah. And so like, at least as a starting point when it, when we're looking at what is indisputable, it's salvation. That was the hill Christ died on. And so, you know, mm. what, are the, what are the things that are necessary for us to be saved, that there's mm. just no room for, yeah. for anything else mm-hmm. because of the harm? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I find it really helpful that the church had to go through this process in the first yeah. few centuries where they're asking the same question yeah. that we asked. And it's not like, you know, the four of us <coughs> need to sit here and say, okay, we're going to... Mm. We're going to figure it out, right? We're going to be the four who figure out this is yeah. exactly what's in the category of <laughs> yes. essentials that yes. we need to unite about. And then here's the things that are that are outside of that. Like mm-hmm. We have to keep coming back to Scripture in terms of what that is. But I'm thankful that in the first mm-hmm. few centuries, the church was doing that. Mm-hmm. And in particular, for this reason, in particular, when Arianism started mm-hmm. to rise up and the Nicene Creed yes. was formulated. Yeah. What is Arianism? Arianism is a heresy of kind of the early church and in particular sort of doubting the the divinity of of Jesus in particular Um, and as as they started to respond to to that they had to sort of formulate kind of what are we going to say is like core to being a Christian and and to the church and you know mm. the Nicene Creed is still held by mm. many denominations that consider them themselves to be serious about the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm. because the church is trying to look to Scripture mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, what is clear, unambiguous, and essential in Scripture, and how can we formulate that into a creed to say this is what mm-hmm. is essential?" And and I find that encouraging that 1,700 years later we can say. Most of the Bible-believing denominations who see Scripture as a serious authority mm-hmm. can still point back to that yes. creed and say, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that captures, on the whole, the, the major doctrines yeah. of the Christian faith. I find that, I find that really encouraging. Yeah. And then, of course, you can, you can then, I feel like you can also go too far and start to over-theorize before you ever get into the practice of pursuing unity mm with people mm-hmm. because I do believe that unity to some extent it's a it's actually a practice it's an action it's a function it's not just mm. abstractly theoretically we all believe the same things and I was thinking about um, the just analogy of riding a bike like there are certain things that you need to know theoretically about what a bike is and how a bike functions mm-hmm. before you give it a try mm-hmm. but you don't fully know mm. whether you have all of the requisite knowledge for it to function <coughs> well mm-hmm. until you actually get on the bike and give it a try. Mm. And so even the question sort of what agreement do we need mm-hmm. theoretically in order to be united, I, I almost want to take it a step, a, 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 take it back a step and say what level of agreement do we need in order to pursue unity together? Like, is there enough to say, actually, let's get on the bike? And is there some sense in which unity also comes as we walk out the Christian faith together 
mm-hmm. live life together, build relationship with people, mm-hmm. serve together. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes you don't know even if something is a primary matter of disagreement or a disputable matter until you understand not only what they believe, but why they believe it. Mm-hmm. I've had situations where I disagree with someone about something that scripture says, but it's not until I'm actually in relationship with them and start to talk with them mm-hmm. that I might know, is that because we're both actually really longing to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus mm-hmm. and be obedient to his word, but we're sincerely at this point interpreting this differently mm-hmm. based on what we've read and what we've heard? Mm-hmm. Or is it the case that actually this person's disavowing the authority of Scripture mm-hmm. because in their heart there's a desire to conform to the world rather than to what Jesus is saying? You might have the same theoretical <laughs> belief in both instances, and that might really change for me whether I see that as a disputable matter or as a much more serious matter with respect to the Lordship of Christ. So I think there are, there are certain essentials that we need to come around, and, and a, a good start, starting point, I think, for me, is that Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. But then there also is a point where I think we need to actually begin to walk together and yeah. see if there's agreement that comes on the way. Well, and I'm, I'm also thinking we can't dismiss, like, this, the spirit-led part of all of this, where in relationship and in community and in all these other expressions or places, we as spirit-filled believers who know the word, like hopefully most people are in the word, spending time with the Lord, full of the spirit. And I think there's got to be some trust that the spirit in me that wants unity with the spirit in you, if the spirit of God is in you or this other person, like I can't tell you how many times over the course of our life that we've been in different contexts, especially overseas, where everything is culturally different. Yes. Mm-hmm. The dynamics, the political, everything, their whole lives are very different than my American context. And so a lot of times we have to trust the spirit that's crying out. I can't even explain it, but it's like, mm. I love this person. I see that they love Jesus. Mm. I love Jesus. And so I'm like, drawn into unity by the spirit's power you know what i mean like he is making us even though i see things that are done differently maybe disputable things or i'm like wow we don't do it this way but Mm -hmm. i can i can just believe that the spirit is at work in them so i can just like take my guard down a little bit just to get Mm -hmm. to that first place of like lord what do you have to show me here do i have something to learn from them um how can how can i expand like wow maybe i'm not thinking deeply enough about this Mm. or considering that you work in this way Um, and that's all Mm. led by the spirit like it can't just be all mental and i've just decided Mm. (laughs) to be united now and not here it's like wow we have to trust the spirit at work in us and other believers does that make sense totally but i think we're you know we're talking about things like the nicene creed and i i'm assuming there's some people who don't even know what that is and how it was formed. And I, I thought maybe we could even read it. Um, or maybe Lisa, you can read it. Um, I don't know if I can pull it up that big on my phone. You probably can't read that, huh? Is it that short? Well, I unless I pulled up the wrong one. Well, 325 <laughs> is shorter than 381. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is, I believe this is 325. Well. You read it, and then you can tell us. We'll, we'll quiz you to tell us which one it is. <laughs> okay. 
Here it is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. Amen. Mm. That. <laughs> that is short and sweet. I didn't yeah. realize it was that short. Yeah, well, yeah. Do you have the longer version? Yeah, I have this from, from 381. Uh, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, mm-hmm. and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate and suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. From there he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom shall have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, and who spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Yes. I'm going to say it's good. That's much <laughs> It's better than I could have said it. Um, but now, uh, the date of the canonization of Scripture, which was kind of similar because it was a response to Marcion's false canon, you know, kind of created his own. What was the date of it again, the, the canonization of Scripture? Is it? I'm, I was just trying to figure out the timing yeah. of I'm kind of stalling on it just because I think there's even um question of like yes. to what degree was it canonized exactly. or you know, was yes. it canonized or was it already there? And, yeah. and you know, was there was that actually like a, a vote on that? You know, it's yeah. There's some questions around like is there an exact date? But Well, my point is you know, the same people that kind of made this uh look, here's the scripture. Uh, these are the, the the early church fathers in agreement. The council it wasn't one guy. Sure. Right. That was a problem with right. the earlier canon with with Marcion. He just mm-hmm. kind of said, "No, this is what it is," um, and that's what a lot of people are doing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of go, "No, this is what's essential. This is what's absolute." But we understand it's the same group of people who canonize the scripture that we go, we we trust them in saying they're saying, "No, these are the authoritative. These are the autographs." These are the books that belong in scripture. And then afterwards, they are saying, and here is basically what it's teaching and what we agree with. Yes. And so it's kind of hard to say, well, I believe in the, they did a good job, you know, in figuring out which books are authoritative, but they did a poor job in explaining what it means. It's yeah. like, no, yeah. it's, that's why yeah. we accept the scriptures and 
for the most part, we accept the Nicene Creed. I mean, that's what we as believers do. So I just wanted people to understand what the Nicene Creed was. It was a, a response to heresy. It was like, here we all agree as the main church leaders, this is what the scriptures teach. Yes. And they're the same people that said, this is what the scriptures are. So Yes, and then, you know, 1,700 years later, for it still to be the case that, you know, yes. if you ask someone who sees scripture as an authority, what's the best distillation of the core doctrines of scripture? Yes. The Nicene Creed would probably be the most given answer and, and the answer that would be given across a variety of of denomination. So you know, you have centuries of people going back to scripture in community and checking that against what the church mm-hmm. came up with when they first were dealing with heresy in the first few centuries and saying, yeah, that's yeah. that's solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think um, so just checking on the date, so it's saying like 382 is when some consider like the, the final, final okay, kind of yes, canons, yeah. which to your point is yes. that, you know, holding up the authority of scripture and yeah. the creed coming alongside. But the other cool thing about it is um, because it, when when they're canonizing scripture, they're canonizing what's been used by the church already mm-hmm. for hundreds of years as a kind of agreed upon yes. documents. So. So what's nice about that is it's not like, a, okay, here's the creed we want, therefore these are the books we're going to put in the Bible to agree with the creed we've come up with. It's yeah. it's it's affirming, no, these are the, the, the scripture that the church has used throughout yeah. um, the centuries and generations and um, in affirmation of what have, has already been agreed upon by the church. Yeah we get the creed from there. So it's not like they're playing a game and we're like, well, we'll pick these books of the Bible to affirm the creed that we like. It's yes. no, this is, the, this is the word of God yeah. and therefore this yeah. is um, what we get. So. Mm-hmm. But I also really wanted to affirm, Lisa, what you were saying about the role of the spirit and of relationship, actually seeing someone face-to-face in the context of pursuing unity as essential as the theoretical agreement is there there is unity because it's a practice because it's a function that happens in the context of living out relationship with people mm-hmm. and i often think that jesus's model for how to pursue unity amidst disagreement is so polar opposite to the way that we so often pursue that because jesus's very coming was an act of disagreement with us it was a an act of saying that he disagreed with what we believed, what how we lived to such an extent that we required saving. And how did he decide to go about that, to pursuing unity amidst that disagreement? He came in the incarnation and literally lived among us, put himself in our shoes, inhabited our world, saw things from our perspective. And then in the atonement, he makes this loving sacrifice on our behalf and I think I I so rarely think that that's how I should respond when I see someone who I disagree with intensely and I and I think their eternity is at stake because Mm. of it I'm thinking I just want to distance myself and my family and my community from that person because they're dangerous but in the very same situation Jesus is thinking I'm running towards Mm. Vince and I'm putting myself in his shoes and I'm making a loving sacrifice on his behalf. Mm. And even where the scriptures talk about the kindness of God leading to repentance and that word repentance being metanoia, mm. literally a change of mind, it's the kindness of God that leads to our change of mind in the context of disagreement. Mm. 
and it's so rarely kindness that I have in my heart towards those I disagree with. I've got a snarky comment and look down my nose at them a bit and a bit, a bit patronizing. But Jesus had this radical kindness toward us that moved him towards us and even had him make a radical sacrifice of love for us amidst the disagreement. So I find, I find that really challenging. Yeah, how many people, when they're faced with those feelings of, of, oh, this is so different, or that is so scary, or I think what they're doing is wrong, what if, how many people, their first reaction is, let me pray that God has mercy on them, let me ask God to reveal truth to them. Is there something you want me to say, Lord? How can I love them? I yes. mean, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm even asking myself this question yes. like, wow, that's not my primary thought is love. And how does the Lord want me to respond in this situation mm-hmm. to love these people? Mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet that most people that is not their yes. reflex yeah. or that heart of Christ. Yeah, I can't remember who... I can't remember who said this to me, but I found it a helpful image when thinking about unity um, that Jesus started by washing our feet and sort of moved up from there um, to the hands, to the heart, and to the mind. And the image was this idea that Jesus comes and serves the other and then invites, invites the other, the one he disagrees with, to serve with him with the hands through that, you actually reach the heart and establish relationship and trust. And then sort of the door opens to the mind where you can actually have productive conversations about what do we agree about, what don't we agree about, why, and are we both in a place of humility <coughs> such that we can pursue truth together. Mm-hmm. But I think we often just skip those first three steps. There's no service of the other. There's no mm-hmm. thought of actually should, should we serve together and is there some agreement that's actually on the way together mm. and through that reaching each other's hearts. Mm. I mean, the, the conversations about the intellectual and the theoretical and the doctrine would be so much more fruitful mm. if those three steps preceded it, but they rarely mm. do. Mm. And I think because, I mean, like I'm just listening to you go through those steps and I'm like, because that's exhausting. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it takes so much yes. to do that, to mm. even get to the place of being able to have mm. those conversations. You're like, Nobody's got time for that. You know, yeah, I mean, that's my yeah. honest, like, right. flesh it's, reaction. Sure. It's just, like, the investment of love mm. that that takes and of, like, dying to yourself. I mean, and I'll be honest, like, mm. I think I find it easier to love my enemy than to love a brother and sister who believes differently to me mm. within the church. Because mm. it's been drilled into me <laughs> yes. from, from a young age, I would say, like, um, Jesus said, love your enemy. Mm. And we are to go out and, and mm. make disciples of all nations. So I have a mission mindset, a kind of outward facing mindset of like, no, I, I love my enemies. And, you know, uh, the scripture says that, um, you know, there are people who are living as enemies of God mm. and they're... Um, and, and so... Uh, I, I feel like I've been shaped in a way to yeah. have a heart for them. Yes. And so I've worked at that and I've prayed for that <laughs> and I kind of lived into that. But, but when it comes to people who profess Christ, but then disagree with me on different practices or different ways of doing it or d- different beliefs around that, that, you know, may or may not be disputable. And you're trying to, like you said, sometimes yes. it takes the work to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that just is exhausting. And, and in my mind, I guess I'm sort of thinking like, uh, 
that's just going to get in my way. There's a mindset of you're yeah. in my way and you're actually, yes. you're problematic. You're troublesome for me. You, um, you're making this harder, not easier. If you could just get out the way, if I could maybe label you as a false teacher and not have to deal with you anymore, mm. then I could just mm. get on with my, mm. and I think so much of it has kind of been about that, that, mm. um, that feeling of we just have a mission, but, but it's such a, a narrow view of, of what mission is and what Christ has called us to and what love looks like. I, I, how can I love mm. <laughs> um, my enemy if I can't even love my mm. my awkward family members <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. of whom they probably find me to be one as well. So yeah, there's right. that, you know, but I just, and if anything, I'm thinking like, I've got to save people, the arrogance of that statement, because yeah. I'm not the one who does that. But, you know, I've got that I'm trying to reach people and the, the best thing I can do is try and bring them into my kind of church and as far as possible, not introduce them to the other awkward members of my family so that they don't yeah. wind up with the same dodgy theology and, mm -hmm. and become another problem person for me. It's such a, a ridiculous um, mindset, mm -hmm. but I feel like that's so, if, if we're honest, like I think that's at the heart of a lot of it. I was really challenged by Ephesians 4. Um, 13 and you know it's talking about the uh, you know so verse 11 talks about like, the gifts Christ has given to the church apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers and the responsibility to equip God's people to build up the church but then it says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ and mm -hmm. and just thinking about that the idea of um, maturity comes through the knowledge of God's son, but you gain the knowledge of God's son when you have unity. Mm -hmm. And so I, that hit me because I was sort of thinking like, wow, so to become like, to, you know, full, uh, to have the fullness of Christ mm -hmm. might actually mean like, rather than saying you're in my way, you're a problem for me thinking like, maybe you're part of the way in which I become more like Christ. Maybe I have things to learn from you. Mm -hmm. about Jesus that I have failed to see because mm -hmm. um, you, you've come to know him in a way that I haven't or you've seen a, a part of him that I, that I have missed or underemphasized or neglected or, mm -hmm. um, or even if you haven't, even if I am right and you're wrong, like even the process of listening to someone and loving them and walking in that process would mature my character anyway. Like mm -hmm. you said, like having that, mm -hmm. learning to love like that, to disagree like Christ disagreed. Um, but I, I, I think it's because we feel tired even thinking about it before we yeah. even get started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there, there has to be a line to this, okay? Because I hear what you're saying, yeah. and I'm trying to think of a biblical yeah. refuting of that. And yeah. there, there, because yeah, there yeah. are people yeah. that will take every minute of your waking day, yes. and yeah. they will talk in circles. Yeah. And you think you're getting somewhere, or we're getting somewhere, and we're right back to where we started, and we're going, it's three hours later, right. and we've got nowhere. Mm. I can't imagine the Lord just wants us to... Yeah. Keep doing that. I mean, there is a time yeah. when there's yeah. there's such a thing as authority, church authority, where yeah. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Your mind is not on the things of God. Right. And I think there are believers, maybe they're believers, I don't know, but they have no concern about a dying world. Yeah. They would yes. just sit in a room yes. and have discussions <laughs> about random things that are not salvific, that are, are not the primary issue, but they love to talk and, the, mm -hmm. and they'd be happy to never share the gospel for the rest of their life. Right. Just come and sit. So there, there's some sort of uh, yeah. spirit-led, mm -hmm. loving yes. rebuke and saying, look, we're spending way too much time on this. This is not the prime. Thinking about... Mm -hmm. You know, like 1 Corinthians 15, 
Paul says in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. So Paul's saying these are things of first importance. And we have to hit those because I don't want anyone listening going, yeah, okay, so I should be able to call Vince and he's not being loving. And Joe just said it herself. She should just keep talking to me for the next six weeks. You know, forget your kids, forget the lost, you know, forget your mission on this earth. I'm your mission now. Talk this through. Help me with my feelings. So, you know, that that could happen. I'm just saying, gosh, it's not just that. Um. 100%. And maybe that's part of what that means to get caught in disputable matters. Yes. Like if you get Mm. stuck in there. That's good. We got to work this out until it's all resolved. Maybe it's more like. Yeah, do not ruin the work of God for the sake of food. Yes. Like let's not get stuck on food sacrifice to idols when they're bigger. We we worshiped for a long time at a, a church that I, I think took something of a healthy approach to this. Like there were some sig- significant matters of theology where there was disagreement, even yeah. among the leadership. You yeah. know, I mean, one example, there was some spectrum of views in terms of, like, is it only believer's baptism or can you have mm. infant baptism? And that's, mm. right, that's an issue that has split plenty mm-hmm. of churches. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said to one of the pastors one time in conversation, I said, hey, you guys disagree on some... I would not say, not the Nicene Creed, nothing in there. They agree about the authority of Scripture. Mm. I, they agreed about the essentials, but they mm. disagreed about some still significant stuff yeah. that often takes a lot of people's time yes. talking through. I said, how do you manage to minister together when you disagree about some significant yeah. theological points? And I, I need to qualify this because I don't want to take this too far, but what he said to me was, if you do enough mission, there's not time for division. Mm. And you can take that too far to yes, say, hey, it doesn't yeah. matter what we what yeah. we believe as long as we're kind of out there. But in the context of church community, there is something about actually being out on mission to mm. save the lost together mm. that helps you to have clarity mm. about what it is you actually disagree mm. about. Mm. Because if you disagree about matters of salvation, that's going to become really clear when you mm. are actually trying to present the gospel mm. to other people. And actually, if what you agree about is disputable matters that fade into the background... When you are out there actually presenting the gospel and responding to people's questions about the core of the faith, Mm. then it may be that there is actually Mm. unity there and that unity goes deeper as we see unity, not just as sort of a theoretical ascent to propositions, but unity is an action. You actually have to be out there. I would say you can't be united if you're not out there on mission together because unity biblically, it's not supposed to be just we intellectually believe the same stuff. Mm -hmm. We intellectually believe the core of the faith and we are committed to living it out Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. That's that biblical unity. That's so rare what you guys experienced where you have a church where you have leadership that are on different ends of infant baptism. Yes. You know, and yet they are one church. That's so beautiful it's amazing but i i kind of want to know how you get there i mean i i think some of it is just you pray for the wisdom to go god this this has been disputed it is a disputable matter and yet it's an important matter and we need to figure this out we love each other we don't want to split up Mm -hmm. 
we we don't want to split your church. We don't want to dare divide. And I mean, I mean, when you have churches now that are saying, no, you're not welcome to the Lord's table um, with us, that's a big deal. I'm not saying right or wrong. That's a big deal to say, we believe this is the Lord's table. We believe this is sacred and you are not allowed here. Yes. Like, I believe that should happen at times, but we better be very certain, very careful. Um, I mean, this is not our church. This is the Lord's church. And so how do we work around some of these differences of when there are disputable matters? I mean, the norm is to start your own church. Uh, the first church I was a part of, they, they split over the name, you know, because it had Baptist in it. And they're like, well, there's a couple of us that are Pentecostals and and one person was a Presbyterian, and like, okay, we'll do two churches then. And we split off, and I just remember, wow, half my friends are gone now. I don't even know what side I was on. I think I was on the Baptist side. But anyways, you know, I just know they had the better basketball team over there. But uh, that's all I cared about in that day. But still. That would be not spirit-led. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. But I, I go, ah, oh, to fight, to stay together, um, do you, do you know how that happened there? Was it because they went through the process of serving together and sharing the gospel together? And then maybe they went through some things like the elders are going through right now um, yes. at our church where they're going, gosh, I, I don't know where everyone's going to land on some of these issues. Mm. Um, and yet we already have relationship. We already have love. So there's kind of a given, like we're not going to divide on these things. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's talk it through and figure out a way that people can have freedom. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I think all this stuff we're talking about is we need to be reverent and we need to come to these discussions with some trembling mm -hmm. and think about people who have the spirit of God in them or who do not have the spirit of God. In, and, and both of those thoughts should make us tremble. Yes. And, and, you know, out of love for both of those people, you know, and, and ah, gosh, we are talking about his church. Mm. And so, while, yeah, we can joke around about some of this stuff, but also I, I know we're all just going, Lord, uh, we're surrendered. What is true? What is right? We want to pursue it. We want to see people come to know you. But we also know that it's not based upon, you know, our efforts and what I think will work. Let me just go with your word. And uh, and we're going to come to different conclusions sometimes. But I think what we're agreeing upon is, okay, look, we have the word of God. This is authoritative. Yes. But to say, what are those core doctrines? What's essential? We're kind of deferring to those early church fathers mm -hmm. who actually, you know, canonized the scriptures and at the same time said, look, Here's the main things. Here's what we believe. Here's what we are decreeing. Now, even though we have, we may, you know, people listening may have mental assent. There's also like, there's more to it. There's the orthopraxy, like we're saying, like, gosh, yeah, you're saying you believe this, but your actions, you know, I mean, biblically, we can't put up with some of these ongoing sins that they refuse to repent of. Mm -hmm. We can't go um, uh, allowing people who are divisive, mm -hmm. you know, to remain in the church. These are big things that the Bible says. And so, 
you know, we just continue this discussion, but we do it with some trembling, mm-hmm. and we also just pray. And I think that's one of the coolest things with you guys is what we said from the start, you know, long before the podcast was, hey, let's make sure we're growing in love mm-hmm. for each other each week. Yeah. Um, if we're not increasing in our love and compassion for one another, and this is just a bunch of mm-hmm. pseudo-intellectual babble, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not honoring to the Lord. And so just grateful to continue the discussion, but more importantly, continue the relationship, the bond in Christ as we just seek to serve Him together. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.